Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Soren Kaplan. Soren, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. Great to be here. Yeah, we're going to chat about uh, a new book that Soren has out uh, that is entitled Experiential Intelligence. And so uh, how does a combination of mindsets, abilities, and know-how gathered from uh, life experiences, how can that empower us to achieve our goals and build a successful small business? So Soren is with me today to chat about that. If you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including the show notes page for this episode, and how you can continue to support my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, just visit thehowabusiness.com. So let me tell you a little bit more about Soren. Soren Kaplan, who is a PhD, is an award-winning author and affiliate at the Center for Effective Organizations at the University of Southern California, a former corporate executive himself, founder of three Silicon Valley startups, and a columnist for Inc. Magazine. He is an international keynote speaker and has led professional development programs for thousands of executives around the world, including companies such as Disney, NBC Universal, Visa, PayPal, Colgate, Palmolive, Kimberly Clark, Medtronic, Roche. I think it's Roche is how you pronounce that. Uh, Hershey's, Red Bull, and many others. Uh, Soren, as I mentioned, is the author of Experiential Intelligence, Harness the Power of Experience, for personal and business breakthroughs. So once again, Soren Kaplan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. Excellent. So this is this has always been an interesting topic, as as you might imagine, and and obviously, uh, I'm sure you're getting and receiving as you should uh, great uh, praise for the book uh, that I had an opportunity to review. I haven't read it cover to cover yet, but I've had the opportunity to review it in preparation for this conversation. But before we get into it, just curious as to your background, how you got to where you are today. If I got it right, you studied in part organizational psychology in university, right? I, I did. I, I sort of recognized early on that one of the success factors in business is kind of understanding how people tick and why they do what they do. And, and so I studied organizational psychology. I studied sociology. And I was thinking like, what do I do with that? <laughs> um, but but I ended up, uh, my whole career has been in business strategy and innovation and organizational kind of change management and um, formerly ran the the internal strategy consulting group at Hewlett Packard HP and in, in Palo Alto and Silicon Valley. What do you think early on led you because you, you you it seems like you made that decision earlier on in life what what was it that attracted you to this field of study do you think? <laughs> well, we're going to go deep really fast Henry, here. <laughs> um well, I grew up with a kind of a tumultuous um upbringing. My mother had a mental illness. My father was hardly around. Um I had moved 16 times before wow. I was 15. So it was it was a challenging time kind of in my early ch um, childhood, kind of into my teenage years. And I think I it, what in, got instilled in me is kind of the recognition that, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, people are a little bit unpredictable. Right. And I had to learn to live with uncertainty and ambiguity and kind of navigate with very little data my life. And so what I started recognizing is that if I was going to 
um, help other people in the way I felt I could. It was through contributing those assets and strengths that somehow got instilled to me through my experiences. And I felt like I could do that through kind of understanding the human side of business. And then I've, I, you know, I've applied that to, you know, strategy and innovation, kind of more hard, you know, kind of hard business topics, but it's been kind of the secret sauce that has allowed me to do what I've, I've been doing for many years. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's very interesting to me because I, not to the extreme that you're describing, had a, a rough upbringing as well. And so what that did for me, it sounds like similar to you, is it made me very hyper aware of the clues that I needed to get from adults in my life, right? To judge, is this person in a bad mood? Are they wanting to cause me harm? You know, so we developed that sensibility. And then I think it has been advantageous in business then, because I think I have a pretty good feel for reading people. And that's been one of the ways I've been able to leverage that. Spot on, Henry. I mean, you 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 you're getting it right out of the gate. So the things that happen to us, the things that we experience, can really instill ways of thinking, your mindsets, and you know your abilities to do things. Like you read people, I can read the room when I'm facilitating a meeting of a hundred people. Like it, it's th these things can get ingrained in us, and sometimes we're aware of it, and sometimes they just become kind of our abilities that we're able to leverage whether we're aware of it or not. And so, you know, what you just described, same experience and process for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you early on, at least when you were in university, did you think eventually you'd have your own business? No, not really. Um, my, my purpose was to kind of help people and make a difference and kind of you know, I got a job at Hewlett Packard HP at the time it had you know, over a hundred thousand employees. And I was, I was doing fun, great work and traveling around the world. Um, but I, you know, eventually I, I kind of got, um, a little tired of the, the corporate environment. Um, I kind of felt a little stifled in terms of tapping into my own creativity. And so, I eventually left HP and and since have you know started multiple you know companies software companies as well as I've had a consulting business for many years as well. Yeah. Uh, so how long were you more or less? How many years were you in the corporate world, work working or helping somebody else? Uh, I was doing that for about six years okay, uh, right. at HP, and it was kind of late nineteen nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. So not not too long in the corporate world. Not, I, I certainly was in it longer. Um, and so what, what do you think, uh, cause you, you probably financially were in a position where you could take that move, but what, what was it that finally gave you the confidence perhaps, or the mindset shift to move forward with starting your own thing? Yeah. And, and I wouldn't go so far as I was really financially comfortable to make the move. It was, a, it was sort of a stretch, Okay, um, good. but what led to me to, to decide to do it, um, was that I, I felt that. I wasn't able to show up in my job and I was running a team and I was part of a leadership team of a 60 person organization um, doing, you know, consulting within across the company. And I had a smaller team. I just felt like I wasn't able to give my team and give the organization my all. I felt like I was working at maybe 80% capacity and I mm -hmm. found myself thinking um, about what else I wanted to do in a consistent way. And it, it just, it, it kind of signaled to me that I needed to make a change. 
And so that, you know, that kind of internal dialogue and, and kind of internal awareness and some of it was conscious and some of it was just kind of more like you know, a, a gnawing feeling <laughs> at me that I was aware mm-hmm. of. And I kind of took a little bit of time to figure out, but then I realized I needed to make a change so that I was happier. I was be more fulfilled, but you know, my wife and I had, you know, two you know daughters who were young and I wanted to, you know, maybe kind of bring, bring myself to, and kind of my, my satisfaction and what I was doing to my home life. Also, I think it would be, I felt like I could, you know, kind of bring more of myself to everything I was doing if I was doing something else. Interesting. Very introspective there though. And that, that's, I think also where your uh, education helped you think through that. Cause that's, that's uh, I don't think most people think of it quite that deeply in my experience. So that that has to have helped you to have thought of that 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 concept of you being more whole if you went and did something that was your creation that you had more control over and how that was going to benefit you at home as well. Yeah, you know, Henry, I th- I think it's you said think through it. I think it's think through it, and I think it's feel through it. Yeah, I think those things go hand in hand, and sometimes. You know, we, we, I know for me, I've never, I've I've had a harder time feeling through it and being conscious of feeling through it. But those are two things that usually go hand in hand. And if you can be in touch with them, you could actually learn a lot about where you need to go. Yeah. All right. Let's start diving into experiential intelligence. And obviously we'd like to start as just, if you could give me a, a definition, a high level definition, and then we'll, we'll go deeper into it. Yeah, experiential intelligence um, is essentially um, the mindsets, the abilities, and the know-how that you gain from your life experience. And so it's as it's as simple as that. But there, it's there's some dimensions to it. Um, the original concept was created by the president of the American Psychological Association. Mm. So it's not like I made this up, but it was a kind of a narrower definition. And it's really about the essence of it is we all have experiences and those experiences impact us and we can have negative and positive experiences or challenging experiences or happy experiences, but we learn things from those that we internalize. Sometimes we internalize those things uh, and we're aware of it. And sometimes we're not. Um, And those, those things that, that we develop mindsets, abilities, and know-how, some of it can be very practical. You just practice doing something through experience. Other things can be like what we just talked about earlier, which is, you know, we live with a little adversity, but then we're able to kind of read the room, like reading the room is a very abstract ability. Um, But, you know, those things we develop over time through experience and experiential intelligence is getting in touch with kind of that model of what did I gain from my experiences and how do I leverage that that stuff that I gained to achieve my goals. And so that's what experiential intelligence is really all about and what the opportunity is. Mm-hmm. So if, if we break it down into those three components, mindset, abilities, know-how uh, on the mindset side, and is it in part that you keep using the term awareness, which is which makes a lot of sense here, that I that I do the work to become aware of my attitudes and beliefs and either leverage those or adjust those depending on what I need to do to to become successful in whatever it is that I'm doing. Is that, am I following right? You're following, you're following. Because sometimes, you know, a, a mindset's a little bit abstract, but it is yeah. an attitude and belief. Right. So we can be aware of our attitudes and beliefs, 
or we can, they can be kind of in the subconscious and they can drive us and steer our thinking and our behavior and even our feelings without us knowing it. And so, you know, some, some quick examples, you know, a lot of this stuff happens early on in life. And, you know, the, the, the issue with business sometimes is we think we can kind of leave our, you know, half of ourselves at the door, our personal lives at the door or the home office door. And the reality is like, we're carrying around all of who we are everywhere we go. And so, you know, for me, you know, some, some quick examples, you know, I, I gave the example of kind of living with a lot of uncertainty, um, well, I have a mindset that actually uncertainty um, represents opportunity. Mm. And so, you know, that that's one positive one. But another one from my experience is that, you know, my my father wasn't really around and didn't spend a lot of you know, time with me. And so I, I got this mindset attitude or a, a self-limiting belief, I would call it, that I really wasn't worthy of, you know, focus and attention. And that was painful. And I sort of didn't really recognize that that was what I had internalized for a long time, but what that led to, and you can look at it as both positive and negative. What it led to was, you know, I, I had, you know, some angst inside emotionally, but I also, because I didn't feel worthy kind of at home, I decided to overachieve, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sure. you read my bio, I've done a lot of stuff and, right. you know, by all practical measures, I've been successful, but inside, even with that success, I didn't feel like super successful because I didn't feel worthy. I keep I kept having to strive for the next thing to meet that unmet need that I had that was there. So until I could be create that awareness of that mindset that was developed, I was not able to find balance. And so, you know, it, there, there's a lot of kind of experiential intelligence that's really rooted in psychology, sociology, and even neurology mm -hmm. so that, you know, the things that happen to us actually can wire us so that we respond in certain ways. And so, you know, I'm trying, what I'm trying to do with experiential intelligence is just communicate. We all have experiences. They create, we all have street smarts because, you know, we have those experiences that, give us, you know, the ability to navigate whatever world and whatever street we've grown up on. But sometimes those street smarts can outsmart us later in life because what we, what worked earlier on doesn't work as we decide to, you know, go into business or leave a company and do a startup and whatever it may be. So, you know, that's really, you know, experiential intelligence is very tangible, yet it's very psychological sort of at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And with these mindsets, I, I obviously, I, the way I've always looked at it is some mindsets, attitudes in particular, maybe even beliefs, we need to adjust, change, evolve. But it sounds like part of what you're talking about also is rechanneling that. And that's what I've always, you know, so you and I both had this void in us from our childhood that we fortunately most, it doesn't, at least for me, it's never gone away, but I've been able to get better at channeling it into a positive force, into a positive effort. Yeah. Um, you know, this, it's all based in what's, there's a term uh, as a field called positive psychology. So, you know, our, our society, whether it's healthcare or whether it's psychology usually looks at, Hey, what's broken? How do we fix it? Well, experiential intelligence, it, it, yes, you might need to, you know, kind of work on some things, but the real opportunity is to say, Hey, look at all my experiences, whether they were the struggles or whether they're the positive things, what did I take away from them? How do I think differently? And what did it lead me to, to really do that develop some abilities? And how do I leverage that? How do I lean into what the strengths are that I have and not just overly focus on all the broken things I think I need to fix? Like we all have those strengths 
experiential intelligence is a positive focus on how do we, you know, how do we leverage what we have to achieve our goals? Yeah, well said. I want to go back to the point of uncertainty, though, and how you look at uncertainty as equaling opportunity. Is that always how you looked at it? Or is that something that, again, you became aware of and channeled differently? I think I had to channel it differently. You know, I, I, I had, I, I, I'd go to baseball practice and not know if I was going to get a ride home, even right. though, you know, yeah. my mom would say she'd give me a ride home because yeah. she's unreliable. So uncertainty for many years was not a good thing for not me. A good thing. That's what um, but what I did, but, but because I could, you know, I was at HP, a giant company, I had an ability to live with uncertainty and not get frazzled by it, so to speak, so that I could be in meetings and strategy sessions and be very kind of focused on the task at hand, kind of understanding options and scenarios. And and I became a kind of a leader because I was able to represent how to deal with uncertainty in a certain way. And that started to clue me into, hey, that this is a strength and not everybody has it mm-hmm. and I can use it and then help other people kind of learn about it and use my strengths to achieve the kind of the goals that our teams had and the organization has. Yeah, well said. I think the other way it can manifest itself that can hold us back is that it's how we can let it tell us, well, that's that's why you need to keep this safe job that has benefits and pay because there is uncertainty in starting a business. We don't know if it'll be successful. We don't know if we're going to make enough money. And so I think that, that that's where we can allow uncertainty if that's something that's that's part of our attitude to derail us or to keep us from taking that step forward. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's absolutely right. I think a lot of people... Um have kind of this, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's a fear, but a trepidation about failure and kind of what that's going to mean, or, you know, just the uncertainty of jumping into something new. Um, There are absolutely ways to kind of hedge bets and kind of minimize risk and things like that if you're starting a business. Um, But if, if you are in a place where you're actually being held back from making the decision um, because of certain things that might you might not be fully aware of, then you know that's the first thing to, to kind of yeah. address, right? Yeah. All right. Mindsets, abilities, and know-how. It's the abilities and know-how that I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with differentiating. Yeah. So um, let, let's just take a super simple example. So let's 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 you know I'm assuming Henry, you know how to ride a bike. I do. How did you learn how to ride a bike? Did you read the manual? Oh, and then like, no, did you no, take no. the IQ test? To no, that was another one of those impactful experiences. My dad <laughs> yelling at me, running behind me. It was painful. There was a lot of crying, yeah. but eventually I got it. Right. So uh, my guess is most people who learn how to ride a bike, they learn through experience. So it doesn't matter how smart you are. So let's just dis- dissect that a little bit. So, you know, you, you ride a bike because you, you try it out. You put, maybe start out with training wheels. You take off one of the wheels like I did. And then you kind of have, you know, you're a little wobbly mm-hmm. and then you take off both wheels and then you kind of get it. And then you might crash a little bit, but then you get up and you keep keep going. And then eventually you know how to ride a bike and you can put the bike down and three years later, pick up the bike and you can ride the bike still. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that we learn through experience. Now let's, let's look at how this plays out. Now your know-how is, you know, how to break, you know, how to turn the the little, you know, your handlebars. So the, the wheel turns and you can turn, you know, how to maybe lean, lean a little bit so that you can turn and not fall. 
those are very, those are those that's knowledge and skills. You can kind of articulate, yeah, here's what I know how to do. Now let's jump to abilities. As you're riding down the road, you might see, you know, some cars coming. And so you start riding defensively. Now riding defensively, you kind of look at what that means, but that's an ability or you anticipate like potholes and bumps in the road. Those are higher order abilities that then tap into what you know how to do your skills and you kind of steer around it or, or whatever, but you you've developed these abilities that you are using then to kind of orchestrate your knowledge and your skills. Let's jump to mindsets. So what's a bike? It's transportation. Well, it is sort of, but it can also be an outlet for stress reduction. It can be, um, uh, uh, if you're doing, I, I mountain bike. So, you know, I go down hills pretty fast. It's a, and it's an adrenaline rush. Um, you know, you can also use a bike to, to be social and go on joint bike rides and you can use it as socializing. So your mindsets about how you use a bike and what it means to you is your attitudes and beliefs about the bike. So it, it's a very simple example. One the only way to learn how to ride a bike is through experience. And then you've got mindsets, abilities, and know how wrapped up in, in that whole kind of usage of the bike. And the same applies to any type of work or, you know, kind of how you're going about even, you know, sometimes in your relationships and kind of how you're navigating life. So that's a framework for, you know, kind of understanding experience and kind of leveraging, leveraging it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but I'm still not clear though, as to why you separately identify know-how, which is again, a repetition of knowledge and skills. It is, I still not, I'm still confused there as to the difference between the two abilities and know-how. So let's, let's get a real tactical example. Then um, let's say you are in a manufacturing environment. You might have know-how, how to fix a, a certain type of machine and you, you have knowledge about it. You know that what the machine is and you, you know, you know how to turn the bolts and you can kind of, if it breaks, you know how to fix it. That's very basic knowledge, know-how knowledge and, and your skills. You can do stuff with that machine. Well, if that machine starts making a noise and you kind of recognize, well, I don't know what that noise is. And you then can, kind of because of your experience, you know, that noise might mean something right in two weeks. It might mean it's going to break. So that higher order ability to kind of anticipate or kind of recognize faults in the machine or, you know, preventive maintenance might be a, you know, I have an ability to kind of look at how to do preventive maintenance that's that's a higher order way in which to organize your know-how. So you might, you know, use that ability to then go and fix the machine, apply right. your knowledge and skills to do that. Um, and so, you know, the mindset t- attached to that also might be, you know, we need to be up and running 24 seven in our manufacturing line because it's going to, you know, make us the most competitive. And so you tie all those things together and that's, you know, kind of what makes a, a great manufacturing assembly line and, you know, a shop floor. So that that's kind of, you know, the, there's, there's kind of the basics level one knowledge and, and skills, know-how higher order abilities, which give you more of like a, 
you know, kind of a, a leadership angle on some of that. And then your mindsets, which kind of take you to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Would you were, when you were describing that, I was thinking, you know, I've been in the car wash business and a, and a good car wash manager who's been around the equipment for some time similarly can hear a noise in the tunnel and know, oh, that's a compressor that's about to go bad or that's, <laughs> you know, a brush yeah. that needs to be looked at. Right. Right. Um, now, so, but that means that the big component here then is that time that I have to put in, have put into something to gain that experience, right? Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, so, you know, uh, the examples that we're giving, you know, like, it's funny, I, I spoke a number of years ago at the International Car Wash Show. Sure. Couldn't believe how many uh, car wash owners and such a, a big, big, a big, big show. Business. Been there many yeah. times, yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the idea here with experiential intelligence is it comes from experience. However, I, I would emphasize, you know, experience, you know, from the moment we're born, we're having experiences. Mm -hmm, so, so some of those experiences are just life experiences and that's right. really important because, you know, you and I just gave examples that we developed, you know, it's kind of like the 10,000 hour rule that right. Malcolm Gladwell popularized. It's like, you do a bunch of, bunch of stuff for a long, long enough time. You're going to develop some, you know, some ability around that. So, you know, it, the opportunity is to not just look at your resume and like, I did this job for one year and I then this did this job for another year. It's to basically say it, to take a broader look at all the things you've been doing in life and extrapolate what are those abilities I've gained from it? What are, you know, how do I, how has it shaped my thinking or what skills has it given me that I can leverage for my next thing or combine with other things that, you know, might seemingly be disparate that I can, you know, kind of go to market with in my next, you know, next job, if you will, or next, my, my next venture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting it as, as you, you know, as we've said aware, but as the, as the subtitle of the book is harnessing that power. So yeah, we're going to continue to have experiences. I, I might start day one at a car wash and don't hear those things. That'll take some time, but I have other experiences that I bring from my lifetime that if I harness those allows me to tap into experiential intelligence. The the other opportunity is if you are, you know, you, let's say you're, you know, you do go out on your, your own, you create your new, you know, your new business, small business, or you do a startup you may need to hire people or you may need to build a team. The other opportunity and today, I mean, just some, some amazing stats I came across recently is that the, um, the percentage of jobs today that are actually requiring a college degree fell from 51% in 2017, right before the pandemic to um, now about 44%. And then and then the the percentage of um, adults, young adults, age eighteen to twenty nine, who actually see college as quote unquote very important. This is from a Gallup poll. Very important, dropped from seventy four to forty one percent. Wow! In just the last six years. So what what I think is happening also is that our whole labor force and market is recognizing ex it's it's not the IQ score, SAT score, it's not the even the college degree, it's the experience and what you gained from that. And so if you're running a business or you're starting a business, you want to be able to look at your team as broadly as possible and understand, you know, sure, they may have gained things from their work experience and you want to look at that, but 
if you look at life experience and understand kind of the more broader abilities that your team and how they think your team has that can kind of complement all of each other, that can really give you a leg up. Yeah, yeah, tremendous opportunity there. This is Henry Lopez, briefly pausing this episode to invite you to schedule a free coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business plans and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner myself, I understand the challenges you're experiencing and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. Whether it's getting started with your first business or growing and maybe exiting your existing small business, I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching consultation, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Take that next step today towards finally realizing your business ownership dreams. I look forward to speaking with you soon. All right, so you've touched on it and we have referred to it, but I think it's good to give the context here briefly of how XQ, uh, experiential intelligence, how it complements, but yet how it's different from IQ and EQ. Yeah, thanks for that distinction. So um, over a hundred, it's been over a hundred years since the IQ, uh, the concept of IQ, how intellectually smart we are was created. And we kind of have had that IQ test for a long time. And I think that there's become kind of this undercurrent assumption in our society that, you know, kind of the smarter you are, the more successful you'll be. Right. And, um, and, and if you think about it, like for you, Henry, what, what do you, what percentage of business success is due to your intellectual intelligence or your IQ score? What do you think? Very low, because I consider myself of average, maybe a little bit above average, perhaps intelligence. So very average intelligence. Like I, <laughs> I'm a terrible tester. I, I was not very good in school. So, um, you know, I would, I, I took the SAT and did horribly on it. So, average at best. So for you, that is that rings true, and I think there's no definitive research out there that says this. Um, so we, I don't think we have the like the complete um answer but i think when i ask that question the most i get is like 20 25 of my success is from my actual yeah. intellectual intelligence Agreed. so so I, I think we started to recognize that then in the 1990s we had the concept of emotional intelligence really kind of came on the scene there was a book by dan goleman and it, and it came out and we kind of recognized okay well how, what what else leads to success here and so Emotional intelligence is essentially being in touch with your own emotions and then being in touch with and kind of understanding other people's emotions. So you can kind of empathize with them and understand their, maybe their motivations and kind of how they're feeling. And it really kind of took hold from kind of a leadership standpoint, like, okay, IQ is important, but also emotional intelligence is important. EQ. EQ. So that's all fine and good. I, I think that, you know, there's, there's arguments and there's validity to say, you know, how smart you are is probably, you know, can be a good thing and being in touch with your own and others emotions is a good thing. And that's all great. And in the last 20, 25 years, the world has changed in such a disruptive, dramatic way that those two things are no longer sufficient to really understand what's leading to our ability to navigate it, 
and to succeed in it. And so I, I think we've always sort of understand, you know, we've understood experience is important. You know, we look for, you know, people who have experience on our resumes and, and, you know, we talk about what's your experience. Well, we haven't really had a way or a, a, a kind of a way to understand experiences. What I've tried to do is just describe it as mindsets, abilities, and your know-how, and not just understand your experiences, but recognize it as a really critical success factor that leads to real intelligence. It's it's the third leg of the stool that we've been missing, but we've been sit, all sitting on, on it. And it's kind of been propping us up the whole time. So that's really the essence of, you know, kind of a, a complement not a replacement, a complement to IQ and EQ. You now have XQ. Yeah, I love it. Well said. And I, you know, this all resonates with me. And as you were explaining that, in particular, what comes to mind that we go back to the point of IQ, you know, now with the emergence of artificial intelligence, real artificial intelligence, I think it allows us even we can leverage that even more so. And it's not necessarily the person with the highest IQ that has the highest opportunity for success because that intelligence is out there accessible to me. You follow what I'm saying now? Well, um, whereas it, there used to yeah. be perhaps in the past where I needed to at least hire somebody with that intelligence, perhaps depending on the type of business that I was doing. Yeah. Well, if you look at it at multiple levels, so, you know, having run strategy and kind of looking at business models and, you know, I, what I've learned about business is that everything gets kind of disrupted at some point And a lot of things turn into commodities at some point. What artificial intelligence is, and if you haven't checked out chat GPT, you should check it out because yeah. it's going to blow your mind because you can basically <laughs> type in any question and you get an amazing answer. Um, on almost anything. And so the what's going to happen and what we're seeing is that intelligence is being commoditized. Intellect is being commoditized. And so when that happens, what's left that differentiates you as a human being? Yep. Well, you got your emotions, emotional intelligence, but you also have experiences and those experiences and how you think and how creative you are and how innovative you are. And if you're able to take risks and if you're able to navigate that uncertainty or if you're able to build teams, that's going to differentiate you. Agreed. Then the other thing that that so was uh, important to me or engaging for me as I was doing the research in this topic we, because in part, we, I think we've been indoctrinated into thinking and we've been fed, you know, the, all of the outlier stories of famous entrepreneurs seem to also be geniuses. Right. And I think that creates then for us this intimidation that, oh, like you said, I must have to have a high IQ to be successful in business. And in fact, as you pointed out, and in my experience, the vast majority of small business owners are simply of average intelligence. Uh, but they've just had the the mindset, the attitude. They've had these abilities that they've developed and they tap, and have tapped into. And they've had the courage to move forward nonetheless and try something. Um, I think intelligence then is secondary at best. And I have found even that in some cases, people who are highly intelligent, that can hold them back because they tend to overanalyze things in some respects. So that's the biggest thing is that it's such a myth, such a misconception that you have to be highly intelligent in the traditional sense to be able to start or be successful in business. 
Uh, I would completely agree with that. And I think our society that likes to create icons and heroes um, and learn from them, granted, there's some learning to be done. Correct. But when we do that, we make a lot of um, things seemingly inaccessible to, you know, kind of the, the average person. And what we need to recognize is that we all have those strengths and abilities and mindsets to tap into because of just who we are and the life experience we have and whatever we decide to apply it to because of those experiences, we have an opportunity to meet, you know, make a difference, follow our values, make a difference and, you know, make a contribution to whoever, however we're defining the, you know, those we're serving, whether they're customers or a nonprofit or whatever. Yeah. Well said. All right. So how do I, how do you recommend to people, obviously reading the book is one way, but how do how do people begin to tap into, or as you say, harness that power of experience for personal and business breakthrough? How how do you recommend people get started? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So um, you can do this at multiple levels. Um, you know, getting in touch first with, with your own experiential intelligence is not rocket science. Like think about the experiences that are most poignant for you that you've had in your life. And those can be, you know, positive ones or they can be the challenging ones. But what are what are the experiences that kind of conjure up distinct memories and maybe some feelings for you? And then you just look at those experiences and you look at what how do they impact me? Like what did they instill in me? How do I, you know, how do I think differently because because of those? What did that lead in terms of me to do? you know, kind of your know-how, the knowledge and skills. Do I have to do things to, you know, based based on that experience or what did that lead me to do and what abilities did I develop from that? So, you know, what experiences did I have? What mindsets did they instill? What abilities did I develop because of that? Now, what do I know how to do? Because I, you know, had a lot of practice doing that thing. Um, and so if you just look at those things, they can be small, they can be kind of big experiences like, you know, you and I talked about, you know, kind of long periods of, you know, over a long period of time in our childhoods, or they can be distinct things that happen that steer us in a different, you know, direction. They can, you know, kind of be this, this high point moment. You know, I, I, you know, for me, I, I traveled to India right out of college and I was at UCLA and I went to India for two weeks alone and it blew my mind. And I got an, an amazing appreciation for other cultures and motivations of other people and the relativity of kind of how things operate and work and different economies. And so, you know, that led me on a certain path also, but, you know, you just look at those things and you can understand your own experience and kind of what your assets are. That's one level. Another level though, is if you're with, so let's say you, you've got a team that you're working with, you can do that same type of exercise at the team level. Hey, what are the experiences we've had at a team or that we all are individually bringing to the team? And then what's our team mindset and our abilities and our know-how that we really want to kind of leverage so that we can achieve our team goals. Um, again, not rocket science. It's just a conversation and it's writing this stuff down. It's kind of, you may be using a little template and then articulating how you're going to leverage what ex already exists to take things to the next level. And you might see some gaps there too, but you know, it's really about harnessing the things that might be a little bit invisible for you. And you know, uh, the mindset of a team or an organization is your culture. 
So, you know, as you do this, you can actually really make a difference in the operating model of your culture and how entrepreneurial you are and how much innovation you get, that kind of thing as well. So, you know, that's really the simplest way to start out. And there's a whole bunch of other things that are, that are implications for, you know, building teams for product development or how you hire talent and how you create your job descriptions and how you screen people because you want to screen for broader life, you know, experience and what they can contribute rather than just kind of narrow job descriptions. So, you know, but getting started doesn't have to be difficult. Like what are our experiences and what mindsets, abilities and know-how do they, you know, kind of instill in me? Yeah. And that, and that openness to, to take that in, like what your experiences in India, there's plenty of people that can travel to places and not be open to receive what it is that we are experiencing and what is it telling us, right? So I think that's critical as well to have that openness about it. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard. O openness is also sort of a mindset. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's harder to be open to your experiences and what they're telling you um, or that you can gain from them. Um, so, openness is, you know, really important. Not everybody can obviously travel to India, but you can travel, you know, in, you know, down streets and in neighborhoods and to museums and to in the wilderness. And you can do a lot of things that push how you experience life that will change how you experience life in, in the future. Absolutely. Right? And it can impact, you know, often this, what comes to my mind is I've had a couple of conversations recently with people about, you know, how do I develop ideas and how do I come up with new? Well, this is part of it. What you're talking about, I think, leads to ideas, whether it's to start a new business or to grow your business or to grow your team or your culture. I think that's where it begins. All right. Um, I know you've got uh, a free chapter that people can download of the book. So tell us about that, if you would. Yeah, on my website, uh, SorenKaplan.com, it's just my name, S-O-R-E-N-K-A-P-L-A-N, SorenKaplan.com, you can get the first chapter of the book. And what I've also done in this book, my publisher was sort of innovative and let me do it. I've got a QR code at the top of every chapter in the book where you just, you know, you put your phone over it and you can see me introduce the chapter, give a little backstory on kind of what's in the chapter. You know, I've, I've made this, per, you know, this book, you know, chock full of examples, personal examples as well. So I kind of bring that to life, kind of like what we've been doing here. Um, and then I've created, you know, if you get the book, I've created a full toolkit. So mm -hmm. you've got an assessment of your experiential intelligence. You There's you know, templates that kind of walk you through how to define it for your yourself for your team. Um, there's videos and uh, some other stuff. So, you know, basically, you know, SorenKaplan.com and you can get started right there. Yeah. A lot of great resources there. Like you said, it's not just a book, but a lot of materials that you've put together. Speaking of book again, Soren's book is experiential intelligence, harness the power of experience for personal and business breakthroughs. Uh, you can see it on his website, download the free chapter. It's available on Amazon and other places where you might by books. Is there another book that comes to mind that you would recommend, Sword? I have a brand new book on my desk from a kind of a friend and colleague. Um, it's called What a Unicorn Knows. And for those of you, well, let me give you the subtitle, How Leading Entrepreneurs Use Lean Principles to Drive Sustainable Growth. And it's by Matthew May and Pablo uh, Dominguez. And it's really a a fascinating read because what it describes is how at, you know, you kind of 
use, you know, this concept of lean kind of, you know, very fast and cheap and easy to mm-hmm. really create a scalable business through moving fast and, you know, kind of constantly experimenting and, you know, making sure you're, you know, adding as much value as process you know, as, as possible. And you're kind of using your process to, you know, kind of get the, the culture going in your organization that really accelerates growth, like, you know, like all these unicorns in Silicon Valley now have. So, you know, that it's a, it's a great, great book. I'm kind of dive, I'm kind of in the middle of it right now, but um, I recommend that highly too. Excellent. Thanks for that recommendation. I'll have a link to that book as well as Soren's book on the show notes page for this episode at the how of business.com. All right, let's summarize and wrap it up here. Soren, what's, what's one thing that you want us to take away about this concept, about this application of experiential intelligence? I think it's pretty simple. We all have experiential intelligence. It's our street smarts um, that we can leverage to achieve our goals. It's our internal fingerprints, essentially. And it's an opportunity to really look at your life and look at yourself and look at what your team represents in terms of if you're working with a team so that you can let lean into and leverage strengths that might be hidden. And that's really what experiential intelligence is all about. Harnessing those hidden powers, rechanneling perhaps in some cases, becoming aware of them, using them to my advantage and my leverage. That's what this thinking is all about. It sounds like to me. You nailed it, Henry. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. My website, SorenKaplan.com, S-O-R-E-N-K-A-P-L-A-N.com. Excellent. Soren, a great conversation could go on for another hour. Thanks so much for spending the time with me today and sharing this knowledge. Thank you, Henry. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Soren Kaplan. I release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.